Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hola amigos, hope you're having a great day wherever you are. And if you're a new listener to the show, special warm welcome to you. I really appreciate you tuning into the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I appreciate it even more. In today's episode, we will speak to my friend Ben from FIF to 40. We connected through Twitter, I read some of his blog posts, and listened to some of his podcast episodes, and I thought he had a compelling story to tell. Ben discovered the FI movement, financial independence movement, at a later stage of his life, after 40, and managed to turn his finances, but most of all his mindset around to work towards his goals. He's still on his journey, but he will share his story so far with us, uh, how he went from living paycheck to paycheck, even going through a divorce, to turn his life around after the age of 40. This episode is for you if you're interested in all things related to financial independence, but think you're too late to start. And hint, you're not. So without further ado, let's hear the interview. Hello, Ben. How are you doing today? Hey, Jonathan. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Yeah, great to have you, Ben, because today we are going to talk about a particular topic. It is to reach FI after 40, which is basically your podcast and website and blog. Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. For the listeners, FI after 40, what does that all mean? It means FI stands for financial independence and after 40, because you discover the movement after 40 yourself, Ben. And then, uh, yeah, what I want to start with directly is to ask you financial independence, Ben, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a really it's a really good question. It's something that it does mean maybe something different uh, to different people depending on where they're at in their life or what their goals are. So for me, financial independence is something that I don't know that I really had heard much of that concept uh, when I was younger. And then, like you said, more recently in my in my forties, I started to to pay more attention to that. And so when I thought about it for myself, I think it's really about finding a position where financially I've got the flexibility to make whatever decisions I want to make at that point in my life, rather than just following that standard lifestyle where, you know, you work until you, you reach a certain age and then you just retire and kind of muddle through life after that on, on whatever you've managed to, to save up to that point. I wanted to be a little more intentional with what I was doing with my money. And that was a, a change for me because I really haven't been very intentional with saving and, and, and developing good spending habits and kind of identifying what's valuable in my life to spend my money on. So I think it's just pulling those things together and kind of setting myself up for wherever I'm at in you know, 10, 15, 20 years, I'll have the financial means to make those decisions and live that life at that point. Yeah, it's really about the options and a bit designing your life as you want and not necessarily following the the standard. So I, I get that. And I think this is something I, I'm interested in myself that I'm pursuing myself. So I really enjoy uh, hearing uh, the way you present it. And Ben, of course, this didn't happen. I mean, you didn't know about this movement in your 20s or in your 30s, but after your 40s. So maybe before we dive in more into the financial independence, maybe you can uh, give us a little background of your story on how you were managing your finances before uh, knowing about the financial uh, independence movement or concept and then what happened uh, i mean how did you stumble upon the the financial independent movement 
Yeah, I'm somebody who, you know, I kind of alluded to this where I I didn't have great spending habits or mm-hmm. I didn't really take my finances uh, as responsibly as I should have when I was younger. And I think that goes back to, you know, in childhood, I think I grew up in a situation where money wasn't really a topic that we talked about very much. And my family did okay. We were, you know, I have two sisters and my parents and they both worked when I was a, a kid. But I think my dad went through some career changes as as I was in high school and kind of had to start over financially in a lot of ways. So it wasn't like finances was a real strong point for the family. And I think as a result, I I basically kind of avoided money stress because I saw that my parents had stresses from the money issues. Mm-hmm. And so I really didn't want money to be something that caused problems and caused stress or relationship issues. And so uh, the, I kind of went too far in the other direction where I was like, well, I'm not going to worry about debt. Debt's debt. It's something that everyone has. It's just part of life. I'm not going to get too hung up on it. And I just am going to do the things that I think I should do, like go to college, get a job, get married, buy a house, cars, kids, all that stuff. So I kind of followed that path. And along the way, I think I just, I, I struggled to to really think long-term. I was just living in the moment, living paycheck to paycheck through my 20s and 30s and got used to having credit cards and just, I'll buy it now and I'll pay it off later. But then you don't pay it off later and you just keep stacking that uh, consumer debt on top of itself. And so that was just the kind of path that I followed in my earlier years. And then, uh, and I kind of knew, you know, I knew that, that it wasn't a great situation, but I think I justified it because I said, this is just what life is. This is kind of what my parents went through. Mm-hmm. This is what probably most people go through. So so I didn't really think twice about it. And then it got to a point where I think as I started going through some issues with my marriage and just in my personal life, as I was getting closer to 40, I was realizing that there was just a lot of stress that came from that money. And even though I was avoiding it, it was still there and it was manifesting in other ways. And uh, I, I knew that as I kind of got to the point where I went through a divorce and had a lot of self-reflection through that, I realized I needed to make some changes in a number of areas, but but one in particular was with my finances and to just step back and realize that I need to get rid of this debt and I need to set myself up for for my retirement whenever that comes because it's now closer than than it's ever been. And um, I just hadn't been putting the time or energy into it up to that point. Mm-hmm. And then you say something that strikes me a little bit, uh, Ben. You say, I understand, okay, you grew up in a family where, okay, debt uh, was maybe avoided. <laughs> I mean, the discussion was avoided and then uh, on, on money and debt. And then in your own family, uh, you, uh, okay, you got married and got kids. And I understand you, you went through uh, some difficulties. But you say, okay, I was living my life as usual. I was accumulating debt in the background. But I kind of pushed it away from me in a way. I mean, I didn't really act upon it hands on. And, and you know, to me, that, that's a bit striking because, okay, if I have debt, I want to pay it off. You know, like, um, right. I mean, I grew up luckily um, without debt. It's not something that is too common. I don't know many of my friends in debt, in consumer debt. I mean, mortgages, yes, we have, but consumer debt is not that uh, common, although it happens. But then, you know, It's like I've been um, buying myself, okay, things on credit card, you know, uh, on Amazon or, uh, you know, a plane tickets, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, usually I plan to pay it back or I have the money up front and that's it. 
It's just a facility to pay with a credit card online, for example. So how do you deal with, how do you say, yeah, I will uh, tackle my finances later. I'll, I'll leave it on the side for now because, I mean, the bills keep coming and I guess the debt is growing in the background. So how, how does one deal with that? Yeah, it's an interesting psychological space to be in. And mm. I, I think there's probably a lot of people that take that or have taken that approach that I took. And, you know, it's almost like, I don't know, it's like smoking cigarettes. Like, you know, you're not supposed to, it's not really good, but you just kind of get used to it. And mm -hmm. it's part of a habit. And it's, there's a lot of things in life that you might do that you, in the back of your head, you know, you probably shouldn't, but you, I think because you get accustomed to it, I was just more concerned with, Hey, as long as I can meet all my minimum payments, as long as I can pay all the bills and I'm not, you know, going into default on these things, I'm doing okay. And maybe you can get away with that for a while, but it does definitely add up. And I think it, it did take a toll on me, you know, emotionally over time because I was kind of avoiding it. And that's, I think it's, again, I was avoiding a lot of things, a lot of conflict in my life. I just am somebody who tends to avoid conflict in general. So to me, this almost fell right into that same category of mm -hmm. debt is, is a conflict. It's an issue. It's something you need to address. And if I can put that off by just making the minimum payment right now, I'll figure it out later on once I'm in a better position. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, I don't want to sound preachy like, hey, I never had that and you have, how come? <laughs> it's uh, I'm not being judgmental here. I'm trying to understand the behavior, but then you made, yeah. a, you made a good parallel with the cigarettes. You know, for me, I never smoked neither, but for example, I uh, drank too much, you know, when I was a student, etc. I I partied too much and mm -hmm. I did stupid things. And, you know, like it was a party again and it was like the fifth beer and you're like, yeah, no, it's bad. And then uh, I'll get a hangover tomorrow and then... It's a bit the same, you know, so, you know, it's bad, but then you do it anyway. So, so, yeah. okay. So now we are, uh, I had my, uh, bad behavior, let's say. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people do that. Everyone, everyone has a vice, you know, and yeah. for some it's, yeah, it's eating, some it's just drinking, some it's spending money, but mm. yeah, it all kind of, it all kind of does the same thing eventually. Yeah, exactly. And then Ben, back to you. So then you realized, okay, okay, this debt, I need to tackle it. I need to get my finances in order. And in a way or another, you stumble upon, I don't know, fi fin financial independent blogs or podcasts. How do you come to that realization and or what information did you, um, did you find online or wherever? Yeah, so it's kind of interesting how I, how I eventually ended up focused on, on financial independence because it didn't start out specifically with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think as I was going through the early stages of my separation and starting to think about divorce and some of the financial impacts of that, I just was doing some more listening to podcasts and just like life improvement type stuff. And I actually heard on a podcast, I think it was the Model Health Show, I forget the guy's name, Sean something or other is the host, but he had a, he had a guest on who uh, got into real estate investing and he was a Chicago police officer who ended up making a lot of money and getting out of having to be a, a police officer uh, by investing in real estate. And so that was one of the first times I'd heard kind of an average person talking about owning real estate and, and, and rentals. Mm -hmm. And so I started to dig more into that. And that's where I found uh, Bigger Pockets, which is a, a real estate investment podcast and blog and website that a lot of people may be familiar with. I think that you're, you're familiar with it, Jonathan. And, uh, and I got a lot of information about investing in real estate. And that became an area that I was very focused on for maybe a year or so, thinking, this is going to be my way to turn things around. If I can 
you know, buy a duplex or a triplex and live in one of the units and rent out the others. I can cut my living expenses. And by cutting my living expenses, I can take that money and pay off debt and increase my savings. And so it was something that I became really focused on. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the problem I ran into is that I just, I wasn't in a position to, to purchase real estate. It's, it's, you know, very competitive right now. Um, I, probably everywhere, but I know in particular where I live in the Northeast of, of the U S um, you know, anything that's reasonably priced goes within days. And so it's, it's just, it's really hard to get your hands on something. And I, having that debt made it difficult for me to qualify. So eventually this leads me over to saying, you know what, I really need to focus on getting my finances in order first, and then I can shift over to real estate investing at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where I started hearing more and more about the fire movement, financial independence. And so I think similar to you, I'm less focused on the retirement early portion of what people might think of with the traditional fire movement. And I'm more focused on just getting my finances in order and getting myself in a position to either pursue real estate investing or, you know, save more for retirement or a combination of those. And, and that's, that's kind of the, the path I took to go towards seeking financial independence. Okay, very good. And then, okay, Ben, you, you I mean, the title says it all, FI after 40. So do you believe it is possible to still become financially independent before retirement age if you start after 40? Because we have had guests on the show, some of them, you know, like Jessica from the Fineers, for example. Yeah, yep. And you know, okay, I think she's in her early 30s. And then I've had some other guests in their early 20s or late 20s. And then, of course, the more time you have, the easier it is to accumulate wealth over time and to, let's say, retire at 40 or at 45. But for us, I mean, I started my journey to be more focused when I was 35, 36, and you after 40. So can we still retire earlier than the traditional path? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. And again, it depends on your situation and where you're at. You know, if you're starting from kind of ground zero, uh, I, I still think like, so going back to my dad, he changed careers. And this would have been back in the late 90s um, and basically had to start over with his his retirement fund. And he he changed careers at my current age. So when he was 43, he switched and started from scratch and just retired a couple of years ago and um, was able to save up the money to do that. So I think even if you're starting from zero in your 40s, you still have the ability to to save up money even for a traditional retirement. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of things you can also do to retire early if that's what your goal is. And I think there's actually some advantages to starting this a little bit later in life. I know that, like you said, it's definitely from a mathematical perspective, it's going to be easier if you start saving and investing when you're 20, 25, you just got more time for that money yeah. to, to you know, gain interest. But there's also some some different things about being in your 40s. You know, you, uh, I think there's you have a different perspective than you might when you're younger. I think for a lot of people, unless it's hardwired into your system to be a real saver, it's hard to 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 make those sacrifices maybe when you're younger uh, for maybe the average person. So when you're a little bit older. You know, your lifestyle has changed. Some of those um, those things that take up a lot of money are kind of, you've already gotten past a lot of that stuff. You know, you've gotten, you've probably already gotten married or you've already bought your house or you've already done some of these things. So a lot of those big expenses, you've already 
addressed those. And now you can maybe focus more on, on saving more. And, and also you're probably making more money when you're in your forties, right? So it's mm-hmm. just, you've got more, uh, wiggle room and flexibility with, with that money coming in to start to reallocate things. And I think just for me, like I, I, I touched on this earlier, but just knowing that retirement is now, you know, 15, 20 years away, all of a sudden that kind of really gets to be a motivator as well. This isn't something that's way down the road, way off in the future. It's kind of right around the corner. It'll be here before you realize it. So I think that's also a real motivator and something that can drive people to be successful when they're starting a little bit later in life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then in your case, Ben, so what were the steps that you took? So you, you mentioned already savings, paying off debt, and then you mentioned real estate because that's how you stumbled upon it. But what are you doing concretely? What, what can you take us through your, I mean, how you change your finances? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the debt part is a big, is a big portion of this. And so I think that would be my advice to people is, is if you are in debt, Focus on that first. And once you clear that out, it ends up making such a huge difference in, in your ability to save money. And, and I had just gotten so used to paying all those credit card payments that all of a sudden, when you're paying you know, $800 a month in credit card payments, you get used to it. But then once you're done with that, all of a sudden, you've got all this money that you can start to roll into savings and investments. So I would say the first thing that I focused on, and, and, and to be honest, I'm still trying to finalize this with, I still owe some money on my car. I still have a little bit of credit card debt that I've been trying to pay off. But that the fact that I've paid off such a big chunk so far has made a real big difference in my ability to, to start saving. So you were a bit more aggressive in your repayment or how do I need to yeah. see that? Yeah. Yeah, well, and so in my situation, what allowed me to do it was we we sold our house, and so when I went through the divorce, yeah. one of the things we did is we, we sold our home and each moved into our own places. And by selling the home, we were able to take uh, walk away with a big chunk of money on either side, and that that allowed me that that was really probably that that first kind of spark financially, where all of a sudden I could pay off a huge chunk of credit card debt from selling my home. And once I did that, I realized, wow. I need to keep this going. I need to keep this momentum going and not just kind of build that debt back up. And so I think that gave me a ton of momentum. That's not always an option for everyone to, mm-hmm. to sell your home, but you know, that is an option. And it's something that I know people that have done that because of the real estate market, they've said, you know what, we can make a lot of money off of selling our home, go rent for maybe a couple of years and save some money. And then you're in a better position to to then you can now buy another home at some point down the road. It's not that you'll never own a home again, but it just gives you this kind of influx of cash that you can use to pay things off. And then that just makes it a lot easier to start moving forward from there. So that's that's an option that people have. And I know it's not going to work for everyone, but that was what ended up working for me to really jumpstart this whole thing. Okay. And now are you then focused on, once you paid off your debt, will you then invest in real estate or the stock markets? Or uh, what is your plan actually? Yep. So with investments... I'm fortunate enough that I, I work for a company who has been contributing to my own retirement on my behalf without me needing to put anything in. So I do have some retirement savings that had already been accumulating over the last eight or nine years, but I hadn't been contributing anything um, out of my own pocket. It was just my company putting in money. Mm-hmm. So once I paid off a bunch of credit card debt, I said, you know what I'm going to do is to start to automate some of my investments in my own retirement. So I started doing a monthly, uh, or actually every paycheck. So a couple of times a month, usually, you know, just a few hundred dollars will go into my my savings uh, for retirement, and so that's really started to to jumpstart 
the growth of my retirement. It was an interesting time for me to start doing this because it was right as the um, the stock market in the U.S. was going through that huge dip, and then it bounced all the way back up pretty much. And so uh, it's been an interesting time for me to start really paying attention to the stock market <laughs> because it's been so volatile. But I have really been aggressive with it, and I've, I'm, I'm mostly in index funds, and uh, I have very little money in bonds right now. I know that there's kind of a standard formula that people tend to follow if they're investing in the stock market is to kind of split it between you know, equities and, and uh, bonds. And I'm, I'm much higher on the equity side right now just because I need to to really be more aggressive to make up some, mm-hmm. some ground. So again, that was the decision that I made. I'm willing to be a little more aggressive and it, you know, it's, it's paid off right now. It's done well, but that's been my focus for um, saving and investing. And then I've continued to look at the real estate market. I've actually made a couple of offers on things, but they haven't gone through just because again, everything has so many uh, people looking at every property. So I've kind of put that on pause probably for the remainder of this year. And then I think I'm going to revisit it next year. And I, my next step would be to get back into a position where I can do some house hack scenario where, like I said, I can live in a unit, rent out some of it and really reduce my, my living expenses. Mm-hmm. Well, well, you really change your uh, financial situation upside down, Ben. And yeah. one thing that um, also strikes me with this conversation is that besides the... Um, technical approach, let's call it, you know, paying down debt with the proceeds of the house, etc. It's also a mindset shift. I mean, you were avoiding debt and all the discussions and leaving it grow in the back. And now you're proactively taking control of your finances and getting informed. And okay, you started the blog and the podcast, which which we'll discuss later on, but it's it's really a mindset shift. How How do you feel about it? The mindset, I think, is is the most important thing. Honestly, it's and I'll I'll again make a, a kind of comparison. You know, if you've seen, you know, some of the TV shows about somebody who is a hoarder and they they have all this stuff in their home and it's just taking over their lives, and you can go in and clean that all out. But if the person doesn't change their mindset and isn't ready to change how they're going to handle their their environment it's just going to fill back up within three, six months or whatever it is. And Mm -hmm. it's the same thing, I think, with your finances. If you don't change your perspective and your your mindset with when is it okay to spend money? When is it more important to save money? When is it important to to walk away from a purchase or or an opportunity? And kind of getting yourself into the right place where you feel like you've got a good plan in place and you're moving forward until you have that ready, Sure, you can pay off all your debt, but there's a good chance you're going to rack that debt back up again, and it's going to be just kind of a you know a wash. So I think yes, absolutely, the mindset has been one of the most critical parts for me. And the key to change was really the situation itself, or just getting inspired by the the, the podcast interview you heard on uh, uh, on Bigger Podcast or or the other uh, podcast. Sorry, was it that, or was it just the situation itself that you realized okay? Uh, I'm in a mess right now financially and uh, I really need to get out or is it, hey, I got inspired by this. What was the spark actually? Yeah. And I, I guess that's a good question because I think for me, it's it's a bigger, it's bigger than just the money part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's one of the outcomes from all this. But I think for me, I, sometimes it takes a kind of a traumatic life change to, to trigger a real shift in your approach to life. And so I think, I think the divorce for me was really one of those mm-hmm. major things and, and just kind of, again, reevaluating, reevaluating myself and what's my approach been to life. And I've always 
I, I have realized that I'm somebody who has let life happen to me. And rather than being intentional and setting goals and making decisions that will move me forward. And, and one of the outcomes of that has been a struggle financially. And so I think what's been more important, again, getting back to the mindset is making that decision that I'm, I know there's a better version of me. There's a better life for me that I can strive for and I can acquire that. And it's in my discretion to, to kind of achieve that. If I make the right choices along the way, kind of taking control of things is, is really what sparked it all. And, mm-hmm. uh, and allowed me to, to reevaluate where I'm at with everything and, and start to make that progress. Yeah. I was asking this question because, you know, when I look around, when I see what's going on, I see people and okay, they live their lives. They're happy or not happy. It depends. But sometimes, I mean, people just don't change their mindset. People keep on living paycheck to paycheck or they, they live a happy life according to social media, but then they still do the same things. They buy stuff. They go to fancy restaurants. That's all good. Huh? Everybody can live the lives how they want, but they're not saving or they're not uh, taking care of them financially speaking. So they, they right. have uh, no emergency fund or a very little one, and they don't know how to, to get on with finances. And then they see other accounts and then they say, yeah, but how do they do that? Oh, how, how does this guy own two houses? Well, maybe the guy is, uh, not spending as much on partying and stuff like this. I mean, I'm making very general examples, but you, you see where I'm going. Eh? It's, yeah. it's how do you change the mindset of people like that? I mean, I think they, they want as well more freedom. I mean, people want better choices. It's just, they don't know how. I, I think people get comfortable mm-hmm. and that's, the, that's a bit, and that's in a lot of different ways in life. They might be in a bad relationship, but they're comfortable with that relationship because it's familiar. They know what to expect, even though it might not be good. I think, again, it's the same thing with, with your finances. You get comfortable being in debt. It's almost like you're just used to mm-hmm. it and it's predictable. It's almost a routine. Like, yep, I'll make my payments every month. I'll figure it out. And it's it's being able to step out of your comfort zone and say, I'm going to make a change that is might kind of feel scary because it's different. You know, it's cutting back on things. I remember being being like, okay, well, maybe I'll cut back on my cable and then thinking, what am I going to do if I don't have television? I, how will I live? You know, <laughs> it's like, and then it, you go and you do it and you realize, well, it's really not that bad. I, I didn't watch TV probably for two or three months during the start of this pandemic because I just didn't want to watch the news mm-hmm. and there were no sports for me to watch. And those were kind of the two <laughs> things I would normally watch. And so all of a sudden I realized television's really not that big of a part of my life. I'm okay without it. So, but making some of those changes seem, I think on the surface, very, challenging and difficult, but sometimes you need to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and see how you respond to it mm-hmm. and then make choices from there. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Really. Uh, because when you get uncomfortable, this is where, when you grow in an area, professional in relationships or with your money simply. So yeah, I really like it. It's a very good tip then. And then the story, of course, you tell it in great details. You go much more deeply in several aspects of it on your blog and, and your podcast. Because that's a bit, I mean, your story is really what sparked the idea of creating the podcast and the, and the blog. So can you tell us a little bit about your mission and your motto for the podcast and the blog? Yeah. So when I started writing the podcast, I think initially it was, or sorry, when I started writing the blog, it, it was the first step I took. And it was initially just to kind of get the thoughts out of my head. So I had been thinking about all these changes I needed to make, and I've started making changes. And I was never very good at journaling. And I just felt like I needed to put these words somewhere. And so I started writing the blog. 
it was more to tell my story, right? That was the kind of initial thing was like, let mm-hmm. me just get my story out there and maybe some people will read it and might, you know, get some inspiration from it. And then shortly after that, I said, you know, I should, I should start a podcast too. And then I can not only tell my story, but I can in- involve other people and, and hear their stories as well. And so I started doing the podcast and um, I, I started inviting guests and interviewing them and talking to them. And I think that's really one of the big takeaways for me is that it's, it's great to hear where other people are in life. And I realized that this whole spectrum of financial independence there's people that are on all different points of that line. And some people have already reached it and they've retired early. And it's great to read about what they did along the way. And then there's other people who are, you know, they've really only been doing it for two, three, four years, but they've made a lot of progress. And so I think it's really helpful to see people at all these different points because it makes it a little, you know, more realistic. You can see the motivation from the long-term stuff, but you can also see that it's realistic by looking at people that are maybe just one or two steps ahead of you. So that's been really my my goal with this is to share stories, to motivate people and let them know, hey, it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 40, you could be 25. A lot of these principles apply to everybody, but I in particular wanted to focus on people that were in a similar situation to where I had been, where I was more mid-career, you know, people that might be in their late 30s or their early 40s and they they kind of realize in the back of their head, like I did, that you know they haven't prioritized their finances. They should be doing better. Or they should be in a better spot right now. They might have a bunch of stuff. They might have a home and a car and go on vacations, but but they're not setting up their future for themselves and for their family. And so I wanted to really um, reach out to that particular age group, that particular audience to let them know that you're not alone in this. You're not the only person that is maybe struggling in your career or with your just your, you know, your your life in general. You might be feeling like like I was feeling where I'm like I should be peaking right now. This should be these should be my best years financially mm-hmm. with my family. I've got young kids. You know, all these things should be really one of the best stretches of my life and it's really like everything's falling apart. And and I know that that has happened with other people too. And and so anyway, I, I just want people to realize that they're not alone in that, and that they can make those incremental changes. It doesn't have to be all overnight. You just start making one step at a time and making those individual improvements, and those really start to accumulate in you know in a pretty short period of time. And at least that's what I've experienced, and that's what I've heard from others. And that's that's really the goal is to share all that with others. No, no, I really appreciate it, and uh, really. I enjoyed listening to your own episodes. For example, the one with, I think it was about the 21 lessons I would give to um, my 21-year-old self and then yeah. the other one on being normal. So this is these are two episodes I listened today uh, and I really enjoy them because you really explain things well and um, you really are open. So and it really helps because um, I'm pretty sure it can resonate with many people in the same situation. And I think that's important. And I appreciate that because I think it's important for people to be honest with themselves. And I'm trying to be honest with myself and with others. And, you know, I'm not a financial expert. I haven't, I'm not someone that's at the end of that finish line. I haven't gotten there. And I want people to realize that progress isn't a straight line. You know, it's not like you start now and then you end up you know, from point A to point B in just a straight line, there's, there's ups and downs along the way. And I'm experiencing that as I go, you know, I'm going through some job changes right now Mm -hmm. that financially it's not, it, you know, it's not a better situation financially. It's going to make it more challenging for me, but I feel like some of the changes I'm going to go through with a a new job I'm transitioning to long-term will pay off for me. 
but in the in the short term, I'm gonna be making slightly less money. And so that was a decision that I made realizing that I can't just make every decision based on what's the most money for me right now, because I think you need to look at this over a long period of time and try to set yourself up both financially, but also with job satisfaction. And and you need to be able to live your life along the way and not just focus every piece of energy on on the uh, the end of it, on the goal, but make sure that you understand what's valuable now. How do you want to live your life along the way? You know, you mentioned Jessica from the Fineers. I've I've talked with her and I've read their their material, and they've got a quote something along the lines of the journey should be as remarkable as the destination. And I think that that's an important thing that that resonates with me, and that makes sense for me that you want to set yourself up to be successful, but you also want to enjoy your life along the way and identify the things where you will find value and you can spend some money on things, but you just don't want to be wasteful and you want to do it all responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really uh, like this philosophy. And uh, Ben, th- thank you again uh, so much for sharing your story and uh, sharing your perspectives. And yeah, it, from your story, I can really see that it's clearly achievable to change, to turn your finances upside down at any age. Of course, it, the path will be different than if you're 25 and in the tech industry in the Silicon Valley making 150K. But still, it is possible to turn your finances upside down. And to gradually improve your life in all areas and uh, managing your finances better. It might not be overnight, as you said, so that's how it is. But you can improve and you can turn things around. That's the message, I think. And uh, Ben, before we leave, of course, uh, we have our three quick fire question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great, great. So we talked about it a little bit, but what has been your best investment so far? So I would say that, you know, as I thought about this, I would say recently, outside of, of the financial aspect where I've been investing just in my retirement, is I think investing the time into creating this blog and podcast mm-hmm. has been very rewarding for me. And I feel like it's been very motivating. There's, I think it's added an element of accountability for me. So, um, and, I've, and I've met a lot of people, made a lot of connections and learned a lot. And, and I think that's probably the best investment that I've made so far in myself, both financially and personally. Yeah, I agree. It's the same for me. So, and especially the community or meeting like-minded people. For me, it's been in the last two years and yeah, really see the, the support, the, the, the change, the, the learning phase. So you, you grow and you learn from each other. So it, it's really great. Absolutely. And uh, question number two. What is one book you would recommend to anyone? And it does not need to be a financial book. Yeah. So initially I was thinking financial and it would have been kind of a common answer with rich dad, poor dad, just because that's a really good kind of first step into reassessing your mindset. But but instead of going financial, I'll go with a book that I read recently to my kids. It's a book that I read when I was probably my son's age, probably I was 10, 12 years old when I first read it. But The Princess Bride is one of my favorite movies. And the book itself is, if you like the movie, the book is fantastic. It's really funny. It's really clever. The backstories for all the characters are really interesting. So um, that's one of my favorite books of all time. Uh, One of my favorite movies too, which is funny because I didn't want to see it when I was a kid. I remember my mom telling me, we're going to go see this movie in the theater. And I was like, I don't want to see a princess movie, (laughs) which is funny because that's really what the, the kid in the book is basically in the movie is saying the same thing. But turned out to be a a really quotable movie and a great cast, a great story. So I'll go with The Princess Bride. Okay, very good. I actually, I don't know this movie actually or this book. So 
Uh, I'll have to look it up. I, I never seen it, so maybe I will uh, read it or watch the movie. Who knows? Yeah, you should check it out. It's and it's. I think it was maybe mid to late '80s. It's kind of a fantasy movie, but it's kind of a comedy. And, okay. Um, yeah, but it's a, it's a fun movie. Okay, very good. I'll I'll check it out and I'll link it as well in the show notes so people can find it as well. And then the last question is: What has been the best purchase you've made for under a hundred dollars, Ben? So I was thinking about this one, and uh, what I'm going to go with is a good chef's knife. So mm-hmm. a good eight-inch chef's knife is just an indispensable thing in the kitchen. I love to cook. I really liked learning to cook over the last, you know, five ten years. It's been become more of an enjoyable experience for me. And I think having a good knife is a real simple thing, but it makes everything easier and it makes it a more enjoyable experience to prepare food and you know cutting up vegetables and everything. Having a good knife is really critical. And you can definitely get a good knife for under $100. So that would be my recommendation to folks. If you are figuring out cooking and you don't have a good knife, invest in a good one. It'll make a huge difference. Yeah, I like it. And you know, when you enjoy something, then yeah, why not spoil yourself with a good with good tools? Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's a good way to save money is to cook, cook your own meals. So there's a win-win there. Yeah, yeah. Even better. <laughs> okay, very cool. So Ben, where can people uh, find you? So the website is fiafter40.com. That's F-I-A-F-T-E-R 40.com. And on the website, you're going to see links to both podcast episodes and then also blog articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm at fiafter40 on each of those. Okay, perfect. Well, uh, I'll uh, link it all up in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you and listen to you, to your podcast as well. And then, Ben, thank you again so much for being here. It was uh, great to talk to you. Yeah, this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you having me on the show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you learned something from it. I had a great time talking to Ben and hearing his story on how he uh, turned his life upside down after his divorce and starting his financial journey after 40. So before we head off, as usual, let's go through the key takeaways for today. Number one, it's easy and comfortable to try to avoid money stress and live as if it did not exist. You know, living in the moment, being used to pay off a portion of your credit card debt instead of paying it in full, buying random stuff. But the thing is, as Ben's story showed, is that the stress of money will unfortunately not go away and it can even lead to dramatic consequences for your household. So pay attention to it. Number two, is it possible to become FI, financially independent, after 40? The thing is, the younger you are, the easier. I think we've heard examples in in previous episodes from younger people in their late 20s, early 30s. The thing is, at 40, there are still things that play in your favor. For example, you're usually in a more stable situation. You may be married, for example. Some large expenses have already been taken care of like your wedding or your house, and you most probably make more than when you were 25, so you can fully focus on saving and investing. Another thing that Ben mentioned is that retirement is closer, and so it can act as an extra motivator as well to work towards FI or financial independence. Number three, how do we get to FI? There are a number of things we can do. And the priority is to focus on debt to get it out of the way and not be afraid of making unconventional choices. For example, he used the proceeds of the sale of the house to pay off his debt faster. Another one is to get started with investing, whether it's through your uh, company retirement savings plan, the stock markets, 
or through real estate. One other important thing is to automate your investing, even if you start off with small amounts. And why not look at house hacking options, like we discussed with Andrew a couple of episodes ago, which can help you reduce your housing costs. Number four, and I think that's the most difficult point, but as well the most important one, the mindset shift, which involves getting out of your habits, out of your comfort zone. And last key takeaway for today, progress is not a straight line. There will be ups and downs on your way to achieve your goals. And as the Finiest motto says, the journey should be as remarkable as the destination. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me if you have any questions or feedback. Send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.